Hello, and welcome to a very special budget episode of the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO and founder, and we have with us today our associate, esteemed associate, Julie Patrikis, uh, calling in remotely uh, from College Station, I believe. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you. This is my second time on the show, surprisingly, even though I've been here for going on two years. Yeah, I know. It's just that we thought it was time to get you back on on the uh, on the podcast so people can know who's uh, running things in the firm for <laughs> keeping me keeping me in line. Um, so no, I read the firm. It's a you know again. I want to just recap for folks. We just wrapped up our hundredth episode um, early in July. Uh, today is July. 17th and the city budget will pull back episode 100 was last friday we had on virginia cumberbatch um that in itself reaching episode 100 was a big hallmark for the show and we look forward to returning august 5th with episode 101 we decided to do a few episodes in between just to talk about the budget because it's a very unique time with covid and a layered on top of that there's some issues that that were ripples from last year's uh last, last uh the last legislative session that will affect uh, how the city plans for this budget already has in terms of when, when it's occurred and going forward. So with that, though, um, we'll get to the discussion. For those who aren't aware, the city manager, Spencer Crunk, released and presented these, the, the draft city budget on Monday the 13th. This um, is a baseline, right? A lot of folks who, who are not familiar with it will say, feel this is set in stone. This budget is far from it. It's where it's the, it's the city managers who is the CEO of the city. He runs the city on a day-to-day basis. It's his best estimate and guesstimate about what council may want um, to a degree, um, but also tempering of what he knows because he is on the ground relatively more than uh, the council are. But ultimately, the council votes has to approve or vote and approve the budget. So... That's going to occur over the next several weeks. Council is still in recess. Official, or they're on their recess. They've met for official meetings. They're going to return officially on July 23rd for the first of three budget hearing, public hear, or public budget hearings, and then come back later uh, in mid-August to vote and approve the budget for the fiscal year 2021. Austin's fiscal year would start, or actually starts on October 1st, which will start then. Um, but Julie, this is your first budget. You've been with us a year. This is the first time with a full budget. So, one, I want to get your impressions of the budget, all 924 pages of it. I know you've been reading it all week. And uh, just takeaways and things like that. We can get to the discussion. Well, for anyone listening, I do want to preface and say that I don't believe either I or AJ have finished reading the budget or even had a full time to digest it since it did just come out on Monday. But based on our political experience and also understanding the dynamics of council, we thought we wanted to get a little head start on some of the broad overviews that we thought were really important. And I think one of the most notable aspects of the budget is that it has a 3.5% tax rate increase, which is the lowest the city has gone since I believe 2004. So in 15 years, we're now kind of taking a little step back at the tax rate, which is both influenced by the Texas legislature last year, who ruled cities couldn't go above that. But with the disaster declaration, there were talks that we could go to 8%. But with the COVID situation being what it is, it's a lot of people are in a lot more of a financially um, considerate situation than past years. So I think the 3.5% tax rate increase was meant to kind of buff 
offer for that since there is so much economic concern with businesses shutting down and unemployment. And so I think overall, that's one of the most interesting takeaways I got from big picture budget was that it's such a low tax rate increase. Yeah, and I think it's something, um, obviously, is the baseline. We'll see what, what occurs over the next several weeks. Um, what about, uh, I think the big issue, probably the, more, the most front-facing issue with this budget uh, going into it and through the budget season is going to be, going to be around police funding. I know the, the allocation, at least the, little, not the allocation, the reallocation of funding made from Austin Police Department that proposed by the city manager was uh, $11.3 million, I believe, which is a far cry from the near or $100 million shave that I know groups like Austin Justice Coalition wanted, or desired rather, because it could still happen potentially, and other groups are calling for. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things I'm hearing just from kind of off, you know, inside or offhand conversations is that there is, it's the tempering of obviously understanding, you know, where, you know, the needs to reallocate funding and not defund. I think that's kind of a misnomer, right? It's reallocating resources, both in personnel and also duties and then in, yeah, in actual funding. But it's figuring out what is the, it's, it's the practicality of how you do it efficiently. Obviously, there are cities like Minneapolis and other cities that have taken more immediate steps. But I think those cities, especially Minneapolis, had to. I don't think they really had a choice other than to do what they did, which was a total, essentially a total refresh of their police department because anything else than that probably would have seen that city burn in some way. Uh, I think there is a desire on council. We, I know there is a desire on council. We, you know, we know there are several members of council that have been very, very upfront and outright about their desire to reform council member Jimmy Flanagan, council member Kassar, council member Harper Madison and uh, county attorney elect now mayor pro tem Delia Garza. Uh, but I think it, you know, like anything else, it's the devil's in details, but how that's accomplished. I, I foresee it. I think it'll be more than let APD is going to get more than an $11.3 million shave. I don't know. I don't think it'll be a hundred million dollars. I think it'll be, obviously that's still, that's a big delta between about what it could be, but I think beyond, it's not just one year. I think, and I imagine it's going to be a multi-year or multi-budget year approach to how they accomplish it. I just don't think, especially with COVID and the fact that city departments by and large are dispersed organizationally, and not not in the city, but organizationally just to achieve, I think the goals they, that, that the community wants to achieve, I think city departments and council want them to do, it, it can't be done in a year, not like just to do it thoughtfully. I think to, to make sure the money is being allocated and a personnel will reallocate the right way. I know there are steps to achieve that. There, you know, there is there is an RFP or request for procurement out, procurement out, out right now for different firms to work with the city to help with those processes with APD in terms of uh, systematic racism and promotions and its culture. So there are things in the queue that I think most people just you know understandably aren't aware of. Uh, but again, right now. Um, because I've seen posts about it, like $11.3 million that is proposed to remove from APD is a proposal and definitely not fixed and uh, set in stone. And I do imagine you know, the groups like AJC and other groups like that are, are, I mean, have been advocating for weeks and will continue to definitely the public hearings, uh, which will be streamed online. And then also at the, uh, also at council's August meetings, they approve the budget. But again, 11.3, 
1.3 million to $100 million range. There's a lot of, there's a lot of little room at where that number could be. I think I do foresee that being one of the, probably the hot item of discussion on council and then behind that COVID response, which is a big bucket of things. Well, we can get to that though. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on this COVID and not COVID? Well, actually, I was going to go back and touch a little bit on the APD and Wait. talking about that. And we were talking about this a little bit offline is I do see that the budget proposal is a little bit more on the conservative side, both with the tax rate increase and with the cuts to the Austin uh, Police Department. Because, as we said, this is a very ongoing process that's going to be influenced by council and public testimony. And so I think the city manager did make a budget that this is baseline. It's probably going to be more, more significant cuts and even potentially a higher tax rate. But starting off at a base point, and I definitely do see council members advocating for more increased cuts. But I think this was kind of just a great starting point on that because it's hard to propose a $100 million cut. And then when people are really pushing for defunding, then the call ends up being cut more and more and more. And so I think by being a little bit more conservative, there is a lot more wiggle room for council and public to put more input on where they wanna see the cuts and even necessarily if they want higher increases mm -hmm. um, in their tax rate. And so I think in, um, one regard that was a really smart approach because there are so many opinions in the city. We have a very diverse city, socioeconomically, racially, and across the board. So I think by choosing a conservative tax rate, conservative cuts on the APD, it allows the public testimony, the council discussions to be a lot more listening and a lot more reflective of what people want. But this is just more of a, I consider a starting point. Yeah, and they, and they definitely will be. For sure, yeah. certain. <laughs> we expect quite a bit of change, but yeah. Um, for the, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to end up going on to what you were trying to change the topic to. Well, right. Well, I forgot about what I was speaking of before, but I want to add too for those folks, and you know, and we'll include the, all the budget links that the city's put up in our show notes. But for those who this is their first time looking at the budget, maybe because of just everything that's been happening. Um, around APD and want to learn more about just the city and everything else, it, the document, we'll, look, we'll put it online, and it is a great resource beyond, it's a great resource, actually it is, it is the fundamental resource to know how the city works. There are, there are portions of it, and we'll, um, I'll lay those out in our show notes, though, that also just give you a good foundation for how the city of Austin, like what the city of Austin is, right? Everything from the fact that our, our current system of government, the 10-1 council, has only been around five years. It is not that old of a system. And I think sometimes in the pace of things, we forget that. And the, and the, the budget has a, has a little brief history synopsis of that. But this whole system is very, it's, it's very young, right? And it's, 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 uh, there's a lot of room to grow even with how our council operates, right? And... And it, you know, I guess it's easy to forget sometimes. I, I hear people already calling for different, you know, we need to change this and that. I'm like, we've only had this again in a short amount of time. And it will only be, I think by, uh, I mean, what, by 2028, by near the end of the decade, with all the with, with council term limits, we'll have, we'll have had several, you know, three or so-ish generations of council members on there at a point where we'll have, you have know, a good sense of, you know, what, if anything, needs to be shifted with the system. But this system is so new. And uh, again, for those who don't know, prior to that, it was a 
an at-large council in theory, um, but 10 one was made to have more, have actually have substantive representation across the districts. But anyway, the budget beyond obviously looking for where funding is going or the money is going, it provides a great resource for overviews of how the city operates the government, also lets you know who your council members are, where the districts are, and those kind of things. Um, but were you gonna say, you gonna say something? I think you were. <laughs> I, I was actually gonna touch on that a little bit, is I think one thing that's also really important to understand about the budget, um, you touched a little bit in the intro, is that um, the city manager, Spencer Cronk, he acts as the CEO for the city, but the, one of the reasons why he does the budget particularly is, for those who don't know, is all of the city departments are under his purview. So this public safety is under his purview, parks and recreations under his purview, along with all the other departments. So he has assistant city managers to oversee smaller departments, such as parks and recreation. And so he really is having all of a very large collective staff who's giving these inputs as well, who are on the ground floor, which is why we said a little bit earlier that he has a little bit of a deeper connection to some of the programs than council does because council oversees the city, but um, the city manager overlooks how these departments are run, which is why the budget goes through him. And yeah. I always say, I think uh, the city manager has one of the hardest jobs in the city because there's just so much that relies on him. And so I know there's tons of people who are not going to be happy and maybe some people who are, and I just think that the amount of work that the staff put into making this 900 plus document is very comprehensive and a very um, strong testament about how much work the city does for its citizens. Yeah, well said. I think, I mean, yeah, objectively, I mean, having just worked and, and been around several city managers, you know, in, in Austin and other cities, it's a very difficult job. And I think I put it up there with being a school superintendent. Um, Probably a school superintendent, just because you're dealing with kids, is probably probably the most volatile. Because <laughs> the jobs, they're not. They are. You're right. You're. He's a. He is a. He is the highest paid city employee in the city. Um, and he's not elected. He's hired by. You know, he was. He was vetted. Um, the council ultimately approved a contract, but he was hired by the city to to do this job, the CEO. But it is political, and he can't escape that. And uh, I think what you know, just having. I never, I hadn't worked directly with his predecessor, um, Mark Ott, but you see there are, for those who aren't aware, even, you know, our current team manager's only been here, seven, you know, two or three years, not that long, but he's dealt with a lot. His first six months here, we had the Austin bomber, I think he's been here too, we had the Austin bomber situation. I think you were, you were still- The boil water notice? We had the, yeah, the, the boil water notice. We had, um, I mean, the toxic algae for animals. Toxic algae, yeah, that. I mean, he it is. Yeah, he's dealt with a lot of issues that I think, uh, you know, we factor in. The city of Austin is like the largest. It, I mean, they have like a hundred thousand plus employees, multiple departments. Even with is a really able, very able assistant manager. It's a lot, and uh, and yeah, but again, the jobs the job is inherently political too. So beyond the day to day, have to navigate council and. All that, but he is, I think, relative to his predecessor, has been, has been, which is, you know, let's <laughs> kind of a low bar, but he has definitely been out in the community more, is definitely present more in a way that I think people, unless you've been around City Hall for a few decades, you would appreciate. Uh, so, 
yeah, my hat's off to him. I think it's going to be, again, we, we, it's going to, him and his staff, it's going to be an interesting budget season. And we'll be covering that. And this was just to kick off these future episodes and also just to get Julie back on the show because she's been bugging me to get back on. Not really. I've been, dra- I've been trying to drag her back on because she's, I don't want to get back on, uh, on the podcast. Uh, um, but yeah. I'm Julie, the brains of the operation. Correct. So. correct. Yeah. I just, I just, just point to where to go. Um, but but any, speaking about, yes. oh, I was going to say, speaking on the fact that um, there is a lot of insider kind of knowledge about City Hall that I don't think a lot of people understand. I do think it would be good to touch base on what we expect from council during this budget season, namely that um, current Mayor Pro Tem Garza is now um, uh, running unopposed. Yes. So she is... Um, elect right now and so she's technically a lame duck so this complete budget process she doesn't have a lot of the um restrictions that a lot of the other council members who might be worried about re-election or even what they would do after they leave office would have so i'm very interested to see how she votes because she has been very strong advocate for police reform um and restructuring how that um program could look especially on the new um public safety commission yeah and again if she's one of four members on there i see i don't i don't know on the lame duck part i mean she besides you know again council is one of you know she's one of 11 votes so i think they have big votes so going on this it's more of a degree this could be her last big vote it comes down to as things come up in the fall does she want to to vote on it or pause it knowing that, you know, and let allow one of her, her, um, her, uh, her predecessor was their, her successor on council to take that vote. Right. I mean, it's kind of in her hands what she wants to do and we'll see. I think though the budget one, I, you know, that I think she's, and she's made comments before related to, you know, obviously she's one of the last budget to be one that she can vote for. I do think just though, because she's going to stay in a public role, she would vote her values and if she feels the budget's not reflective of what she wants, she wouldn't vote for it. And going in the fall, we'll see. I mean, I think with her anyway, it could be met with member Tim. It could be just, it's the, it's the degree that issues come up that can be handled in that year or ones that might be issues that are going to be carryovers in the fall. So, for, you know, I think the closer we get to the end of the year, this being like in November, December, when a lot of items end up getting kicked anyway to the, to the, to the uh, the spring when they come back when they come back in the spring, I think it could be that's when things might start falling off. But I think she still has ample time to vote a lot of issues besides the budget. Particularly, there are things that can be handled this or be implemented uh, this this uh, this year. But more to come on that, obviously. And then again, I think we know besides her her colleagues and public the public safety committee, which is a really new committee, it's formed last month. Um, is going to be a major presence on the, on the budget conversations around APD. So watch there. And then we'll, t- we'll touch on another point too, just overall with uh, JIT, outside of APD, probably the larger looming issue for the city and or, or citizens rather, Austinites, is it's around CARES Act fund, or actually it's around recovery funding and, and other, other um, dollars towards those efforts, whether on the tenant side for small businesses and nonprofits. In any budget year, Normally, you know, you'd have these, you know, you'd have official or officials, you'd have representatives, of all these different groups at City Hall. Uh, to, now, the, now that the base budget's out, talking to the members, all members, or all members of council, 
and trying to, we're not trying to, to plead their case, let them know what's going on and work up the, the votes they need to get funding allocated or reallocated under the, the final budget to approve in August. Um, the issue now, obviously, we're talking about is COVID and the fact that you can't just go to City Hall. You can't go to City Hall physically. There's a vir virtually it exists, obviously, but how how these different groups interact and plead their or make their case rather is going to be a challenge for some. I guess it can obviously still be done. It's just going to be a challenge. Um, as well, even like public testimony. I mean, public testimony is the hallmark of council meetings, as we all know, and and boards commissions and while I think under the current um, Open Meetings Act, uh, Open Meetings Act uh, emergency rules that Governor Abbott put in place, it, it, more folks can now testify. It still it's it, it's it's limiting because you're talking on the phone or you're talking on Zoom or I'm calling to a Zoom call, right? And so you can't be in person with someone. I mean, so getting those early meetings for those who are pushing or gonna be pushing for budgetary appropriations is going to be key to get those one-on-one -on -one Zoom or video, whatever you use, Google Video meetings with council offices and staff and get the information in their hands because the public hearings, for those who have been watching council meetings, it's just, you don't, you can submit materials, but I think you want at that point to have every member of council know what your issues are. And something that we've been working with certain clients on doing the last several weeks ahead of the uh, city manager Kronk's presentation on Monday. Um, but anything else to add, Julie? Actually, yes, yeah, so you're talking about economic recovery. And I think one of the um, really big things that we haven't touched on yet is how COVID is impacting things like hotel occupancy tax and all of the economic um, generating facets that we usually expect now that we've had South by Council canceled yeah. and ACL. And I believe the city said they expect 200 million, which is about 5% below budget projections um, coming into the city. And so that's a really tough thing that they're dealing with on top of all of this issues is that there's just not necessarily as much coming into the city and especially hurtful for the hospitality industry and even the music and cultural industries that make Austin the unique culture that we have. And I think that's going to be a really difficult balance as well, is how do you balance the need to maintain and like build this um, uh, budget without cutting too much because the city is one of the largest employers in this city. And so if they the are doing, yeah, in the region it, even. And so if they start cutting large amounts of money from budgets, including the public safety budget, there is the risk of higher unemployment and things like that. So there's a lot of different facets that they're considering beyond just the big issues of COVID and uh, mm -hmm. public safety. One point too, that we've, I've been watching this and just what's been going on in other, other, other major cities in Texas, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, uh, or Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio. And, you know, Austin hasn't, I hadn't heard any talk of doing any kind of a furlough or public employee furloughs yet at all. Uh, there's been limited cases of that in other cities, our peer cities, um, but thus far, uh, you know, Austin's held the line on, on maintaining employee levels. And um, again, you know, that's, it's a quarter, I look at it as a quarter by quarter thing, but there's been no indication of the budget. The budget, I think, you know, relatively, and obviously I think the city manager is a, I think he balanced it very conservatively, but it was, um, 
it wasn't so doom and gloom, right? But obviously, they're you know they're we'll, we'll see how how things shake out later on this month, or uh, later on in uh, later on in August rather. Um, well, that though we're gonna wrap up. We will have more shows coming on this just probably weekly. Um, again, these are more ad hoc, um, not really non-canon, if you will, not related to the, to the, the main BG podcast season, but we want to, there's going to be a lot going on in the next few weeks. We wanted to just, uh, chime in with y'all and we'll probably set something up to get some live questions coming at some point, try something new, different things with all this technology. Um, with that though, you'll, uh, Julie, have a good rest of the day. I'll talk to you after this anyway. It was better. And to our audience, too, everyone be safe. And uh, if you have any questions, we'll have a, our, our, uh, our email in the show notes. Uh, just send them our way. Happy to give general discussion, comments on what we're seeing and hearing.